And before I get started, I want to make this statement about it. That uh, God didn't write everything down like thou shalt not do and thou shalt do. But there's principles that God gives us in His Word. If we live by them, we can have a better life. And that's what I want to share with you tonight on how to guard yourself every day. Turn to the book of Lamentation. I'll read one verse there. If you would, please. If you've got an old Schofield Bible, it's page 837. I forget sometimes where Lamentations are. I thought it was over close to Psalms. And I just read my Bible all the way through and, and I got to look at where it ago and it ain't over there. So we cursed to Jeremiah. But anyhow, find it if you would, please. Uh, uh, Lamentations chapter 3, one verse. Let's do it very carefully. Verse 51. Mine eye affected my heart because all of all the daughters of my city. Listen to it again now. My eye affected my heart. That's the part I want to talk to you about. My eye affected my heart. Notice now in the first part of this verse, I believe there are many great principles in the Bible that we are to live by, and this one is one of them. What it's saying here is, I can decide what I look at, but I cannot decide how it affects me after I look at it. That's a principle in the Bible we're to live by. Now, I'm going to show you some examples of that in the Bible in just a minute. But you can ask my wife. That's one of the reasons I don't go to look at new cars. Uh, because I, if I go look at a new car and get the smell of that thing and look at it, and, and first thing you know, I'll be bought a crazy thing, and I don't need it. And uh, so it's, you've got to watch what your eye sees. Because the Bible says whatever your eye sees, it affects your heart. All right? Now, remember something. When God says a heart, He's not talking about your ticker. He's talking about your complete makeup. Everything that's about you, the center of you, is what He's talking about. Now, turn over to Genesis chapter 13 a minute, and I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. In Genesis chapter 13, there's Abraham and Lot. Now, Abraham was with God. He told him to leave his family and everything, but he didn't do it. Lot went with him. And it come because they had cattle. Uh, Abraham had many cattle. Lot had many cattle. So they didn't have enough room in the land for both of them. So Abraham said to Lot, Our herdmen are, are striving with one another, are fighting with one another, and uh, so we need to depart from one another. And listen to what the Bible says now, how Lot chose where he was going. In verse 10 of chapter 13, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was very watered everywhere. Then verse 11, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Then verse 12, And Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. Now, according to these verses, and I'll show you another one, Genesis 19, verse 1, in just a minute. But notice what brought the downfall of Lot. Now, remember, uh, Lot 
got over in the land of uh, Gomorrah and uh, backslid and got away from God to the place that none of his family would even listen to him. And uh, he, when he would try to get them out of that dreadful city before the power of God fell on him. Now notice what brought the downfall of Lot. Verse 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. So first he looked. Verse 11, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Then, verse 12, Abraham uh, said he dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Then Genesis 19, verse 1, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of the city. Four steps Lot took to his downfall. First he looked, second he chose, third he dwelled, and the last thing he found him, he's sitting with him. Now the principle is this then, you cannot help what your eyes catch a glimpse of. I cannot always decide what I get a quick glimpse of, but I can decide what I will look at and watch by choice. But I cannot decide how it affects me after I look at it. Jeremiah said in Lamentation 3 verse 51, Mine eye affected my heart. In Matthew 26 verse 41, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So many people believe they can live on, uh, in temptation and then control their passions and their flesh and their desire, but God says you can't do it. There are some things in life that I can control. And there are some things I cannot control. And if you don't control what you can control, things then get out of control. Now, I can decide what I will and will not expose myself to. But then, for instance, I can decide what the flesh, uh, the flash of my eyes catches. But I can decide what I purposely look at. I cannot decide what I may hear in a crowd, but I can decide what I will listen to by choice. I cannot decide what I may bump into at a shopping center, but I can decide what I will spend my time fellowshipping with. I cannot decide everything that I'll experience, but those things that I do by choice, I can decide whether or not I'll even experience it one time. You cannot live in temptation and avoid sin. You cannot decide to live exposed to wrong things and not end up doing wrong things. That means if I'm going to live for God, then I have to separate myself from temptation. If God has my attention, I'll not be in temptation. Now, James chapter 1. I want you to listen to it very carefully. Let no man say... When he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So the Bible says here, I am drawn away by my own lust and enticed when I decide to expose myself to something that I think I can handle. Now, remember this. The Bible said that Eve saw that the fruit was good for food. 
the devil caught her ease looking at what she was supposed not to be looking at. And if God says I'm not supposed to have it, then I don't need to be looking at it. It's not just look but don't touch. It says keep your eyes off of it or you won't be able to keep your hands off of it. I can decide what I look at, but I can't decide how it affects me after I look at it. Now, let's go to Joshua, and I'll show you another story of it. In Joshua chapter 7, and I want you to listen to these now just for a minute. But the children of Israel committed, verse 1, a trespass in the accursed thing for Achim, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the cursed thing and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now how did that happen? Let's go over to verse 21. The Bible says that Achan answered Joshua and said indeed I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among this board a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight then I covered them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Notice how it works. I saw, I coveted, and then I took. Same principle. Now that's the steps that the Bible said. What I'm saying, the Bible principle is this then. You may catch a glimpse of some forbidden thing, but you better turn your head away from it. Don't let it claim your attention or you'll get into sin with it because I can decide what I look at, but I cannot decide how it affects me after I look at it. Now notice something else. David had sinned with Bathsheba, but listen what the Bible said. David said, I'm not going to live an evil life. I'm not going to look at evil. Now Psalms, the Bible says, David said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Notice David said, I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to give it the chance to get me. Now, that was after he had sinned with Bathsheba. Now, remember this little song. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's not the children who are vulnerable to yielding to things they look at and getting involved in things they shouldn't. All of us need to be careful about what we read, the programs we watch on TV, the things we willingly expose ourselves to. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 22 and 23, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Now remember, God is light. And if my singular attention is on God and He has my eye, then He will fill me with light and truth. Now, one of the things that got me started on this, studying this, was I was watching TV and trying to read through the Bible. You ever tried that? You ever tried sitting down and watch TV, you know? I, I want to see the ball game. I mean, I don't see one. Amen. I, I, don't, I hate to turn off the TV right when ninth inning they fix win or lose the game. So I get the TV on. I'm trying to watch TV and read my Bible. I'm trying to watch TV and read my Bible. And the Lord said, you can't do both. You can't do it. 
You just can't do it. Now, what you going to do? You going to put your Bible down? You going to watch TV? Now, I'm as serious as I can be about this. There's a principle there that God said He is the light of light. Period. And if you feel your eye, the light of your body, the light of your heart, the light of everything you are, is your eye. It all comes through here. It comes through your eye. And the Bible says if you feel your eye, your whole body, your whole being, concentrated on God, He is light, that'll keep you out of trouble. It's just that simple. Matthew 6, verse 23, If the eye looks on dark, sinful things, then we'll be in, you'll be in darkness. Now, I want you to watch something that's taught here in these verses. And here's why Solomon said in Proverbs 4, verse 6, 18 through 27, My son... Attend to my words and incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Solomon said, take the word of God and keep it before your eyes. Remember this, please. You can decide what you look at, but you cannot decide how it affects you. But the Bible, then the Bible also says, I can decide what I hear, but I cannot decide how it affects me after I hear it. Do you have this experience? Things I heard 40 years ago, 20 years ago. I can still remember some of them. I mean, bad things. And I heard them, and I, I, I didn't turn around, didn't turn away from them, I should have. And I listened to it as if somebody was speaking about it or something about it. And I listened to it, and it's still there. Now, I want to give you something if I can, please. Here's the truth. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Now, I can decide what I'll hear, but I cannot decide how it affects me after I hear it. Now, if faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, then faith in the Word of God come by hearing the Word of God, but in truth, faith in anything come by hearing of that thing. Which means, if you listen to gossip, you'll have faith in gossip. I can't believe how some people, you know, you come say something in gossip to somebody and they believe it. And we're living in a government right now as a perfect example of that. They can tell a lie on TV and look straight at that camera and lie to it and swear it's a truth because somebody's lied about it so many times that they sit there and listen to it so many times that they believe it's absolutely true. Well, that don't just mean that them, them senators and things up there. That means anybody. If you listen to the wrong thing long enough, you'll begin to believe it. That's why it's third, Second John verses 8 through 10, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. Now, I got real upset because I was talking to somebody that I know and uh, they're supposed to be a real good Christian. They told me that they was going to a, a, a different church and telling me all the things they were doing at that church. I said, what are you doing going there? And I mean this. If you go there and you listen to it long enough and you get involved in it long enough, you'll do it. You'll go right along with them. 
and you'll believe that they're right. Do you ever notice most people will believe anything but the Bible? You know why? Because they'll listen to anything but the Bible. The Bible says of the apostles, we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard, and neither can I. John 16 verse 13 says of the Holy Spirit, Whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Now, if you wonder why those bad words come out of your mouth sometimes, it's because you let them come into your ear. You can decide what you see and what you hear, but you cannot decide how it affects you later. Sometimes it stirs compassion. Sometimes it strikes another thought. Sometimes it leads to temptation and sin. Then lastly... I can decide whom I will walk with and spend my time with, but I cannot decide how their influence affects me after I walk with them. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. God said you got to watch who you run with. Amen? Because they affect you. Now, every one of us has peer pressure. Peer pressure is not just for young people. I can't, I can't decide whether or not I have peer pressure, but I can decide who my peers are. I can decide to whom I get cho- uh, choose enough to let them uh, influence me. I can decide my, who my crowd is. I decided when God called me, well, when I first got saved, I want to run with Christians. I want to run with great, and and I don't mean, maybe I said that wrong, but what I'm trying to say is I want to run with Christians that I know that's run the race of life like God wants them to live. Amen? And when God called me to preach, I made very careful of who I listened to and studied behind. And, And one of the ways that I always judge a preacher or a author I never read a book unless I look at the author first I'm not just going to pick up a book and look at it I read I read what the what the author believes first and if that author's not right the book ain't right and it's just that simple and when I when I was studying uh, I went through uh, a, a course uh, at uh, good night and Jerry Falwell's course on the Bible and through college. I went through that whole course and studied it uh, to, in the ministry just because I wanted to learn more behind, more things that, that I could understand better in the Bible. And I studied for a long time. And I would, I would look at them, uh, some of the books, and I would, you can tell that uh, what the commentator is saying, whether he's a church of God, where he's a Church of Christ, or where he's a Baptist, or where he's a Catholic. By what he's saying, and what he's teaching. And you know what? You go through, in college today, you go into the Bible schools today, and they teach you behind all kinds of preachers and teachers. No. Because what you hear will affect you. You stay away from that. You, you find you somebody that you can have, and when I say peer pressure, I want to have the right kind of peers in. 
I want to have the right kind of person that affects me. That's the reason that I, I studied behind Dr. John R. Rice and uh, Dr. All, all these old great men that I knew, and here's how you gauge the right kind of preacher. Now listen to me very carefully. The first thing you ask, are they a soul winner? If they're not a soul winner, I don't read behind them. I don't study behind them. Because God said number one thing with God is that He came in this world to save sinners. If all you're going to read behind is a preacher that talks about having good feelings and how to be successful in this world and how to have a good marriage and how to have raise your children, if that's all, all that's good. But if that's all they preach about and that's all they teach about, the Bible says, leave them alone. Because they're not a God. It's just that simple. And you got to understand it because they will affect you. Now, notice something. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 8 tells us a lot. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteousness, righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Isn't that something? God told us exactly what happened to Lot. Lot saw. He ended up dwelling with them. He lived with them. The crooked and perverse people. And he got to the place that even he didn't... He tried to witness to his sons-in-laws and they laughed at him. Now notice, it says Lot exposed himself to their unlawful deeds. It does not say he participated in them. Lot got to the place that he had seen and heard so much willfully in sin and unlawful deeds that his conscience was dull. And let me show you something. Did you know the book of First Peter said that you can get to the place that you'll forget you was ever purged from your sins? If you dwell out there amongst the unsaved and you listen to the unsaved people and you listen to per perverted people all day long and you start dwelling among them and having fellowship with them and your eyes see everything they do, you'll forget that you was ever bought by the blood of the Lamb, Lord Jesus Christ. That does not mean you lose your salvation. That means you backslid so far that you'll forget you was ever saved. Now, I don't want to live there. That's a dangerous place. Amen. And you know how the Bible says to do it? Listen to this. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Notice something now. It does not say abstain from iniquity, but get out of the presence completely of iniquity. Get out of the presence of it. If, you, if you're right in the presence of something that's going on and you know it's wrong and you look at it long enough, you'll participate in it. But don't do it. Just get out of the presence of it. That's the reason that I go to church. I want to be around Christian people. I want to talk with Christian people. And I talk to people all the time about the Lord. And this past week, my wife has a therapist. He comes and helps her with her legs and, and things. And... Uh, she was. We got to talking about uh, how to raise a godly family. She's got a younger son, and then she's got an older son, and he's getting out of control. She can't handle him. And uh, she said, I know where all of it happened at. I didn't discipline. I didn't teach him like I should have. Talking about her older son. And you know what? That's exactly how it works. I never will forget 
a family came here in church. They sit right behind the booth back there when they come in. Man, woman, wife, and two daughters and a son. And that son came in and uh, he did some motions I won't mention towards me as he come in with sunglasses, come down the aisle, snapping his fingers, carrying on like a hippie. And I told one of the deacons at that time, take him out of here. And the daddy and mama got mad with me. And so I, I went to visit them. I tried every way to get them to come back to church and serve the Lord. They was mad at me. And so one day I, the daddy called me and said, Pastor, will you come get me out of jail? Now this is the daddy. Will you come get me out? I went down to jail to get him. And I said, what happened? How'd you end up in jail? He said, well, me and my son, he tore up the kitchen, knocked a hole with his fist in the wall of the kitchen, broke the uh, kitchen table and the chairs of the kitchen, slamming things around. And he said, I grabbed one of the chairs to keep him from hitting me with it. And I turned it loose and he, he pulled on it and it hit him in the nose, blood in his nose. He ran across the street and got a man to call the cop for me abusing him. And he ended up, his daddy ended up in jail. All right, let me ask you something. Where'd that start at? Where did that happen? How did he get there? And I asked him, I said, what's your son been doing? And he told me who all he'd been running with and who he'd been uh, around. And I said, no wonder. You didn't do any, you didn't keep him from doing those things. And that's what the principle of God is. I don't care if you're two years old or you're a hundred years old. The Bible says it starts with your eye. And your eye, what you see, you can control it. I never will forget Cheryl's my enemy most of the time. And uh, once she just a little bitty thing, she stood, used to stand right behind me when I was driving. And she'd take my hand and she look, Daddy. <laughs> I said, Cheryl, I'm driving. And she she, some, she wanted to say, look, Daddy. <laughs> and send me and pull me around. And one day I was driving down 301 and we was coming back from home. And this pretty thing was walking down the road and I, I was looking in the rear view mirror at her and Cheryl said, what are you looking at daddy? <laughs> and, <laughs> she called me. <laughs> Amen. And to this day, she ain't forgot it. I'm serious. Every once in a while, she'll remind me of it. <laughs> you got to watch what you look at. Amen. Stand with me please. Heavenly Father, will you help us, dear God, to control our eyes and control our thoughts and control everything that we can control. And Lord, you give us the ability to control some things in our life if we'll do them. So help us with them now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight.